Hi, I'm Jack. And I'm Kevin. This is Good Company in the Car. Can't help it, the girl can't help it. Can't help it, the girl can't help it. She walks by, the men folks stand in the road. All righty, after exhaustive quality control for the audio, we're back. Let's go. Yeah, well, we're you're you. (laughs) Me. (laughs) We, you are trying to put out a quality product. I am. I I slave. Good company in the car. (laughs) Whereas I just kind of show up. Well, that's true. Yes. Well, you know. And uh, a certain someone we've discovered has arthritis. Oh, good Lord. Puss has been limping a lot lately. My dog has got arthritis. On the right side. On his his right side. None on the left. And it doesn't make sense because he limps on his right front paw. That's not the one that they said has the arthritis. Yeah. It's his back leg. I know that that can be a thing where you have a, an ache in your right shoulder and it's actually something in your hip. It's you just know? so funny. It's remote pain. He's got the arthritis. Poor, yeah, poor puss. Thing. And of course she's like, well, I go, well, he has to get so much exercise or he's just kind of unbearable. And she's like, well, you need to do this. You need to do... And of course, what's she say? Well, instead of throwing the tennis ball, <laughs> take him for walk. <laughs> <laughs> and I got all pissed off. I know I'm like, why do I have to exercise because the dog? I know it's sound effect I'm going to put in there. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah, wah. <laughs> I was um, uh, watching, listening to a Dateline podcast the other night, and I, I was telling you about this. It was really interesting because they were talking about circumstantial evidence cases. Okay. And... If you have one piece of circumstantial evidence, it's kind of hard to prove guilt or innocence. When you have a bunch, it gets a lot easier. And the one prosecuting attorney said, the thing is, if the defense can get the jury to start thinking about what's possible, you're going to lose. But if the prosecutors can get the jury thinking about what's probable, you're going to win. So they're like, is it possible that he could have gone from the Huntington Metro to the very bottom of Farmington Avenue and back to the same metro station to catch the very next bus in five minutes? It's possible he'd have to catch the bus right on time and he'd have to be able to run a mile in about five and a half minutes. Now, is it more likely that he got off at Huntington Metro, did not go to the bottom of Farmington Avenue, as he's claiming, merely went to the other side of the parking lot, blah, 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 blah. So you see they're arguing possibilities versus probabilities. And that can really sway a jury. I thought that was interesting. That is very interesting. And then they would show a picture of me and go, <laughs> can this man run down a hill and back up in five minutes? And everybody, all the jurors will start laughing because uh, that's well, not going to happen. They might laugh now, but they won't laugh uh, a year from now. Oh, you you know, I got to give you credit for being such a... Uh, An eternal optimist? Uh, yes, yes, yes. It's, it's, uh, so at this stage in my life, I'm still fighting the same well if only i can lose a few pounds and i ain't better uh, yeah. eh, eh. hope springs oh, well. eternal hope springs eternal there you go uh speaking of things that are tough to do committing murder is tough to you think oh, you, could, you actually you actually think you could pull one off nice segue right? Thank you. <laughs> nice segue no but no you- no I just for the record, for the record, I do not want to commit a crime. No, 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 but you think you think that you could get away with it. Let me, let me, I want to make this statement. 
just for the record, ladies and gentlemen, friends of good company in the car, I do not want to commit a crime under any circumstances. I have a running joke that I would love to try to rob a bank because it's funny when you see the dumb shit the people do. And it's like, well, why would you do that? And I make the horrible comment that I could kill somebody and get away because there's no way you're not going to get away with it. You're just not. But... I want to say, for the record, I do not want to commit any crimes under okay. any circumstances. Everybody now, free having to collect said that, relief. <laughs> now, having said that, I think I could get away with... Yeah, you say it. <laughs> I say that far too often. Well, our I, episode tonight, I'm so grateful that the people who actually ended up being... Uh, okay, don't uh, give anything away! I won't, I won't. Okay, so anyway, this is Forensic Files. Forensic Files. Season 11. Season 11. This is episode 8. Episode 8. And it's Concrete Alibi. Concrete Alibi. You'll get the pun later there should on. Be, there should be like yeah. like some, some lightning uh, strikes or something. All right. It's Friday night, uh, September 27th, 1996 in central Illinois. It's around 10 p.m. and a motorist has come across another car with the lights on, the door is open, and the engine is running. And this is Michael Bach. He's the homicide investigator. A purse was inside the car. The inside of the vehicle was a little bit disheveled. So the purse in the car also has no ID in it. Now, I want to say, I'm going to interrupt you. I want to say that that's contradictory with some of the other stuff. Yeah. I know we're using forensic files. We are, and I even just watching that little bit with you, I'm like, no, she was, we get to it. They're discrepancies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, of course, and, and that's the other thing is, is when you're, you you try to do research and you try to watch all these other shows to get as much information on something as possible, you you're, get you get contradictory information. information. Okay, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. So uh, they run the license plate, and it comes back with this guy, David Swan. They contact him. And he says that his girlfriend, Karen Slover, Karen with a Y, K-A-R-Y-N, yes. fancy, had yeah. borrowed the car to pick up her kids, uh, kid. From, kid, sorry, Carlton, from her grandparent, from the boy's grandparents where they'd been all day. When they found the car, it was nowhere near the grandparents. It was almost 40 miles it was, away. It was like in a headed, different city. Yeah, and headed in the opposite direction. Uh, this is Larry Hearn. This is Karen's father. At that point, she's just missing. You know, at that point, we're not sure if it's a kidnap. It assume, we assume it's a kidnapping, uh, a hijacking on the highway. So he went from zero to 100 pretty quickly. <laughs> it's a kidnapping. <laughs> you know, not not that there was, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, because she fell into the category of she was pretty consistent. Right. She was beloved by her friends and family. And, you know, she had a great job that she apparently loved. And so there's no reason for her to have just up and disappeared. Yeah. Okay. I, I could see that. Anyway, so they said that she had gotten a phone call from Paris International. Now, at the beginning of the episode, they say she had booked her first modeling gig. Now they say Paris International said they might be interested in working with her as she was an aspiring model. Okay. Now so gonna... I don't know... If... I don't know if the modeling gig was all that okay, concrete. Gonna... Wait, 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 wait. I got a bad pun. <laughs> I don't know if that modeling gig was all that concrete. Oh. I know. Oh, I did it. No. Bring no. out the handcuffs. Okay. So now I'm going to say something really mean. Okay. Ah, uh, okay. Yes. Okay. I'm going to say something really mean. Karen is a beautiful woman. She is blondish. Probably not natural. She's blondish. She's skinny. She's got a beautiful face, a beautiful smile. She is a beautiful, beautiful, 
beautiful woman. She ain't a model. Well, okay. Well, now that's me being. I thought mean she was pretty rude. enough to do like you know like yeah, little she bean could work. do. <laughs> okay, yeah. I will agree with you on that. The when we co- finally see her ex-husband, he was punching way Ooh, above his weight. Oh, yes. How he landed her, I have yes. uh, he, he must have the most amazing personality on the yes. planet. And we yes, come to learn yes. that he doesn't. Well, yeah, exactly. So She's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want I'm not saying she is not a beautiful woman. She's a beautiful, beautiful woman. Okay, so we meet Melanie Jackson who is Karen's friend, and she has the weirdest haircut. She looks like a boy, and she's also wearing a cross. She sends a mixed message. Did you get that? I, the, I didn't really know the, what to... Uh, yes, she. there was a mixed message because she had a slightly dykish haircut. Yeah. But you have to remember, small-town women have short, easy-care haircuts. I'm thinking of a certain friend of yours in West Virginia. Well, you know, but still, <laughs> you know, yeah. She was very excited about the modeling job. She was flitting around the office with a big smile on her face and pretty much letting everyone know that she was excited about it. So several days go by and they hear nothing. As is so often the case in these things, fishermen, or at least people in boats, come across evidence. And that's what happened this time. On the shores of Lake Shelbyville, and I'm not making this up, they see a bag. And I don't know what compelled them to go over and look at it. It was just a garbage bag, and it looked like garbage. I, it must have been that out of place that it piqued their interest. So they went over, and this is Jeffrey Thomas from the Moultrie County Police. They thought it was some garbage, a garbage bag that had floated up to the shoreline. First thing I thought of when I saw that was, oh, this, this is going to be bad. So yeah, oh, to their horror, it's oh, a human horror. head. And they eventually find almost, but not all of the rest of the body parts around the lake in bags. Most of them weighted down with concrete chunks, but gases from the decaying body lifted the bags back to the surface. So this, this, this is horrible. So this is one of the first things I'm like, well, you know if you put something in plastic with no air release, it's going to rise up because the bodies release gas. Literally, I said that to myself when they said about the plastic bags. Now, see, that's what I mean. I watch, I'm sitting eating, <laughs> I'm sitting eating ice cream and... And, and chicken nuggets watching these horror, these, yeah. these murder shows. I suppose, you know, between you and me, if we consulted, you'd pick out my flaws in the plot. I'd pick out oh, yours. We could actually, do it together. <laughs> that would be, oh, really? We got we to gotta put a pin in that one. Okay, okay, go ahead. This is the first time that we see the headshot that we see over and over. And she really was an attractive young beautiful, woman. She, beautiful. But she was 23, so... Everybody's beautiful when they're in their 20s. Everybody. She's thinking of moving to Georgia. What I think maybe the second tier level of beauty is where people go to, to model as Georgia. Well, there's you know? a lot of... In Atlanta, there's a lot of modeling agencies. It's like a it's like a feeder... Like a feeder oh, is lake. it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's several uh, talent and modeling agencies in, oh, and, look in at me. Atlanta. Atlanta, because yes exactly because it's and again it's the people who you know well they really couldn't make it in new york but oh but they can make it in atlanta and oh. then atlanta can send them out for the jc penny ads oh, okay so, well i think know. that's all maybe she was hoping for possibly the bags had been sealed with duct tape and on the duct tape they found fibers consistent with the carpet in the car but they also recovered some hair and it turned out to be dog hair whoever had committed this crime had used pieces of concrete to weigh the bags down. The brutality of the crime shocked our very seasoned Oof, policemen. Yes. I have been in law enforcement 33 years, and I have seen a lot of carnage. This 
affected me probably worse than anything that I've ever seen. At autopsy, we learned that she was shot in the back of the head at point-blank range six times. Oof. The detective speculates that whoever did this was very angry with her and probably emptied the entire weapon, all that's, six shots. That's mafia hitman like kind of stuff. Like we got to make sure they're dead. Did you did you know that mafia uses a smaller smaller caliber bullets so the bullet ricochets around inside your skull? I've heard that. Ugh. So the last time anyone saw her was when she left work. So this gets kind of funny for me, the next two talking me, heads. Let, oh, the first oh, one, Jay Scott. Heads, no pun intended. I want to pause you really quickly. Yeah. Because, again, she worked at the advertising department in the local newspaper, big paper, like yeah. the bigger paper. And she loved her job. Mm. Her The employees loved her, and she, was, she loved them. Like, this was not... I think this is just my own personal opinion. This, uh, she's going to move away. She's going to move away. She's going to move away. I think that that was a like a like a subterfuge. Like like they they kept saying that to throw things because she would not have had a job. Oh, you don't, oh, you don't think that she would actually leave there and go to it? Uh, well, I do Georgia? have some research that I'm going to drop okay. on you a little bit later. Right. But I think that everybody kept saying, oh, she's going to move, she's going to move, she's going to move. Okay. I think that that was made up oh. by somebody. Okay. Like, made up by possibly by the the culprits. Okay. So. Well, I'll be interested to see. Yes. These next two guys, the first one is Jay Scott. He is the assistant state's attorney. And he looks very much like a kind of a, if you pulled my good friend John Mansuetti through a keyhole backwards, <laughs> he kind he looks like John. And then Mike Mannix, the state police investigator, yes. looks like Luther. Yes, <laughs> looks exactly I was going like to say. Luther. Yes, so, I said that kind of Two of my like very Luther. closest yeah. friends in the world. The Luther guy really does look like Luther. The other guy looks like like John after John had been in a barroom brawl. That's really, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Anyway, here we go. More than likely, Karen was killed sometime between 5, 8, 5 p.m. Uh, when she left uh, her job and 10 o'clock, when, or roughly 10 o'clock, when her car was found out on the interstate. There was many theories involved. One was, was she abducted by a pervert, uh, serial killer type investigation? So naturally, the very first suspect is her ex-husband, Mike, the guy we mentioned earlier. Uh, they had not had a good marriage. He had who, been who violent had 20 with her. Something is still working little, like little, little jobs. He can't find any kind of reasonable, yeah. serious. And no, he he's was, working as a security. He's guard working as a local. security guard at a grocery store. Yeah, we'll get to the name of the grocery store in a second. She super did not get along with her ex-in-laws. It was very, very stressful for her. Karen had a tough time with her ex-in-laws. They're the ones who watched her son, and it was frequently stressful when she either would go to drop him off or to pick him up. So, Mike was working security at the oddly named Cub Foods. Cub Foods. Cub Foods. Yes. What is their tagline? Come to Cub Foods and feel like a lion? I have no I don't, clue. It's, it's I, so, I don't know. There's the, it, is, uh, it is a very low end. It's a lower end grocery store. There's the yes. a pump, and, pump and Shop. What's the one in Fort Lauderdale? It's the uh, Pump and... Gas and Go? No, but it's Pump and, pump and Munch. Pump, pump and, and Munch. munch. There you go. There's one out in the Midwest called Come and Go. Yes. Um, the day Michael was working security at the grocery store, he actually made an arrest, and the police were there at the store that day, and he had a pretty airtight alibi for the whole day. 100% airtight alibi he was a, he there's no way he could be there's no way he could other have done it. than that place so now they turn their suspicions to her current boyfriend the aforementioned 
David Swan? The poor guy, yes. He'd had some run-ins with law enforcement. He'd been put on probation in the past. He had pretended to be or impersonate a law enforcement officer in the past. He'd spent time uh, in a mental ward at a hospital. So he is not really that good of a guy. Uh, <laughs> I am going to defend him. All right, but he's had some he's had some emotional issues. Um, he spent some time uh, in in uh, inpatient for psychiatric. Does issues. make you bad person? He impersonated a police officer. Well, that that's not. There good. was a weird event where he butchered a deer, deer with, with a, a chainsaw, chainsaw, but he did it over a pool or something. <laughs> But they were, he had a very, and, and they he just, was a bizarre kind of a guy. And they really liked him for this. They wanted him to be guilty for it. However, it is my opinion and my opinion alone that these were, I'm going to say, these were youthful follies. Indiscretions. Ooh, better. <laughs> youthful indiscretions. He is not very old. Okay. He looked like he went with Karen. Okay. They looked like a, they would have like, made a good looking. They couple. looked a good looking couple together, the two of them. Okay, so David's alibi was that he was going to be the chauffeur for a friend's wedding rehearsal. We were concerned that David Swan was free for a period of time and could have possibly committed the crime during that time period. I felt like he very, very possibly could have been the one. I remember telling the sheriff that I think I've got the guy. So he had that weird event where he used a chainsaw to chop up the deer and it was over a pool or whatever. And this kind of made the cops take an even closer look at him because Karen's body was butchered in a very weird and savage kind of yeah. way. And they thought that might be it. What's the word? Disambiguated? Disfigured? Disemboweled? No, no, no. There's a word for when you... Dismembered. 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 So uh, his alibi was that he was going to be a chauffeur for his friend's wedding rehearsal dinner, but he was 40 minutes late arriving at Tater's Restaurant. <laughs> did you see that? <laughs> no, it's I It's called did not. Tater's. I didn't see that. <laughs> Lake Shelbyville Tater's. That's really this is straight funny. out of Springfield. So we learned Karen was thinking of moving to Georgia to advance her modeling career, which to me sounded like a first in the history of modeling career aspirations, <laughs> but you say Atlanta is a hotbed. So they bring in an FBI profiler, and it looks like David fits the mold of someone who might commit this Isn't kind this of crime. Horrible, this poor guy. The FBI profiler indicated that David did match the profile of the type of person that could be responsible for this type of crime. So despite David not having a very good alibi, they really don't have anything linking him to the crime, and he denies it vehemently. And so they go six months working the case, and they finally bring him in for one last interview to see if he might incriminate himself. We all held hands and prayed that, Lord, if this is your will, that if, if David Swan is, in fact, the one involved, you know, let us get a confession. If he is not, if he's not involved, give us a sign we can go elsewhere. So talk about a Hail Mary. Really? He's they, such a dum-dum. They interrogated him for four hours, and they pushed, and they pushed, and they pushed, and finally, they got what they needed. But it wasn't what they were hoping for. He mentioned that he went to an ATM on the way to the rehearsal dinner. They pull up the security footage from that ATM. There he is, 45 miles away, getting cash, nowhere near the crime scene. He's exonerated. And he has a... Uh, an iron tight 
alibi. And that is what is so funny. This guy has been under the police microscope mm-hmm. and he could not, he, he was unable to pull that out of his ass and say, oh no. By the way, at the ATM. By the way, I've got, and you know what? This brings on, this brings up a very important, uh, uh, I'm, I'm going to pause this for a PSA. Uh, uh, hello, people in the world. This is the good company in the car telling you, get your receipts. When you go someplace and they say, do you want a receipt? Get the receipt. Every time I go someplace and they say, do you want a receipt? I say, why, yes, I would love my receipt. And would you like to know why? Why? It's an alibi. Oh. You've got, And even if you're not doing anything, you don't think about it. I, I don't know. I would just say check my credit card records and you well, can see I that understand I... What, I understand the logic of it, but think about that. Oh, I've got a receipt. Look. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, so uh, once a month or whenever I'm in, you know, when I think about it, I pull all the receipts out of my wallet. Well, <laughs> Pam Hupp was able to frame that guy. Yes. And, uh, he had receipts and all that stuff. Didn't help him. Well, it... It actually proved his innocence, but they didn't want to use it. They wanted to blame him. Better, in my opinion, better detectives wouldn't have gone after him like that because that that's just it was it. A ridiculous it was ridiculous all he I was think railroaded of, all i think and, and this poor guy this ding dong uh, uh david with the, i think about the days when i have not got an agenda i've got a couple of errands to run so you mean pretty much any any weekend oh, shut up. <laughs> so uh when i don't have anything better to do or and you know no agenda or i don't have to be anywhere doing anything the we if you tracked me and then you looked at the why did he go there and then go all the way back over here and then go over there? Because I, oh, I want to go do that. Oh, that made me think of this. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to go over there. The floor of the my car is just a nightmare. It's so dirty. Mm. And the floor <laughs> of my car is filled bite with- my tongue. Sh- well, yeah. I know, I know. The floor of my car is just filled receipts. With receipts, yeah. Rece- I, you yeah. know, it, it would be funny if you were like, I've got the receipt for that. I know I-, I Oh, I know. And, and then it's just a, a montage of you just like pulling receipts out of your car, slowly burying the dog. <laughs> I agree with you on that. And you are correct. You can always pull up your credit card records. I understand that. Okay. But there's a, so, it's something about having that receipt in your hand. All righty. All righty. So the investigators now go back to the crime scene. And there must have been two people because it was out on a highway. The car is abandoned. The person who left it there didn't just walk the 20 miles back into town. Somebody had to pick them up. So now the attention actually shifts to Michael's parents, who were watching uh, Carlton that day. That Colton, Colton, the day that Karen went missing, and they have no alibi. This is Michael and Jeanette Slover. Michael Slover Sr. He uh, works at a uh, power plant up in the Decatur area, and once he clocked out, he has no alibi after that time. Jeanette Slover, who wasn't employed or anything, she had no alibi or anybody could collaborate their their alibi thank you luther Uh. (laughs) we learned that jeanette absolutely despised karen and was fixated on her three-year-old grandson i think the relationship between jeanette and the boy was not normal that jeanette treated the boy as her own and actually believed it was her own son in fact she told friends that after christopher was born she began breastfeeding him. Now, Jack, that is some deranged <laughs> shit. 
What did you think when you heard? I was like, this woman's out of her goddamn mind. It's my it's my daughter. It's not my granddaughter. I I breastfed him. Well, she just it's that is fucked. Well, in up. my research, the the Slovers were a very they were not. I think that they were described as as quirky or odd. That's an understatement. Well, because they didn't socialize, they had no friends. It was just the two of them. That's all they did was hang out with each other. They didn't leave the house. And according to the daughter, their daughter, oh, they don't ever go. A big night out for them is going to a fast food restaurant. Fuck Coming. <laughs> <laughs> I'm explaining that they're kind of weird anyway. All right. So to go to a fast food restaurant and go home and watch, well, of course, a night for them. and watch TV. I feel they, seen. They watch a lot of PBS, which is funny because they used as their alibi oh, PBS. Geez. All right. Well, we, we, are you being served? Uh, of course they do. And nothing, I love nothing, are you being nothing served? Nothing makes the lower classes feel se- that and um, keeping up appearances. I love keeping up, <laughs> keeping up appearances. We learned that the Slovers have a junkyard that is patrolled by junkyard dogs. It's, a, and it's, it's just got a bunch correcting of, you. It is a former used car it's lot. It's a used car lot, right? That has got a huge fenced-in area that is junky. Yeah. It's got lots of parts and crap and, and Two and dogs that it. are always there to bark and scare you away. And there are, we learn, chunks of concrete all over the place. Hmm. Which is bringing what us did back you say, to Kevin? concrete weights in the bags. <clears throat> what, do you, what, do you, what did you the just concrete, say, Kevin? They, they play off chunks of the title of, as well. <laughs> chunks of concrete laying about the fenced-in mm. junkyard area of the used car lot. Yes, and we okay. learned that Michael called his parents 12 times that weekend Karen went missing. Neighbors noticed, too, that after Karen went missing, Michael and his father gave the lot a complete makeover. Really? It was notoriously shitty. All of a sudden, it's... Clean as a whistle. Michael Jr. and Michael Sr. were seen by the neighbors out at Miracle Motors out cleaning up the lot, cutting brush, cutting weeds, burning items. Uh, and the neighbors would uh, told us that uh, you know this place was a junk heap. Uh, they'd never been out there to clean it up. So yeah, it's always been an absolute dump. And investigators they cut the grass. Uh, they they had they, a fire. They burned a bunch of shit. It looked shit. like they were trying to clean up a crime scene. It looked like they were trying to clean up a crime scene. <laughs> so they fought. Uh, Investigators thought they might be trying to cover something up, so they bring in a forensic geologist, love it, to see if they can link the concrete in the bags to the concrete at the junkyard. This is Richard Monroe explaining the tests they ran. In a vacuum in the SEM, the darkness that's in the little chamber, there is no light source. The only light that puts in is the x-rays. So the samples from the junkyard were not identical to those from the crime scene, but they were close enough to raise suspicion. They weren't they weren't identical, but if it was concrete from a sidewalk that was busted up and then another part was from maybe an asphalt place where they, you know, they were similar enough to be like, this isn't bulletproof, but this is a good match. Now, I want to pause you right here because this was a significant period of time afterward. Oh, yes, yeah, like a year and a half, two so years later? So this is, yes. So she, Karen is dead. The sister-in-law of Karen, uh, the Slover's daughter, uh-huh. the, the ex-husband's sister, right. has legally adopted... Carlton? Culver. <laughs> Culver. And... A significant period of time has passed. And so while they're going about doing this cleanup, this is in the middle of winter, mm-hmm. or, or, or not the cleanup, this this reinvestigation, excuse right. me, when they, they come in, it's the middle of winter. Yeah, they take they, they bring in the army, and it's a, during a late winter snowstorm. We and see the they footage. they took 
soil. They, they removed took, topsoil they removed from the entire 5,000-square-foot property. They took the top six inches from the entire 5,000-square-foot property, and they filled up about 70 giant buckets. And then over the next six months, they used guys from the military, I believe, volunteers. Um, well, something to do. Something to do. And, and any anybody interested in the case, and against all odds... They find a button that matches Karen's pants. The one she was wearing when her body was found. And boy, oh boy, were they excited. I would be too if I put that kind of crazy effort into yes. like looking for a clue. I get goosebumps thinking about it right now. I'm not kidding you. My, I mean, I've got goosebumps. Just think, I mean, it was so exciting. Because we had worked so long and so hard on this and really had not come up with anything. That was the first piece of evidence we felt like we had that was going to lead us to the direction of the killers. So they also find a cloth-covered button, and a sharp-eyed Suzanne kid, who is a forensic microscopist, asks if she can see the cloth-covered button that was recovered from the crime scene. And the investigators are like, what button? She said, I can see it in the photos you guys took. So those guys go back and they're like, huh, she's right. She gets it, and this is what she finds. In this case, we had a simple one-by-one weave pattern, and that was consistent both with the button that was found at Miracle Motors and the button that came from the sleeve of Karen Slover. So she's able to determine that those cloth-covered buttons are identical. It's another damning clue found on the property. Right. The investigators aren't done yet, though. They now suspect that the dog hair found on the tape might have come from one of those two junkyard dogs we mentioned earlier. So here is Joy Halverson. She is a DNA analysis. A DNA analysis? With the T. That's voice to text. <laughs> oh. The analysis of animal DNA for forensic applications is unusual in that there are probably only three or four labs in the country that do it. We concluded that there was a DNA match between the hair on the duct tape and the reference dog, and that therefore the chances were very high that the hairs came from the same dog. So, she is able to genetically match the dog hair found on the duct tape to the dogs at the Slovers. The duct tape that was on the bags of the dismembered body of Karen floating in the in the water. Uh, it was said earlier that there was enough water that it washed away all other... All the fingerprints. All and other residents. The fact uh, that they were able to re- recover these minute dog hairs, to me, and only one of them, they recovered like seven, only one of them had enough root material DNA for them to work with. It was just, they got away with that by a sliver. So all three of them are then arrested. They figured the motive was that Jeanette was worried that Karen was going to move to the model capital of Georgia and take the boy with her. So now we get the classic Forensic Files reenactment. And they speculate that when Karen went to the Slover's junkyard, she must have at some point turned around. And this is where Jeanette pulls out the pistol and unloads all six shots at point blank range into the back of her head. She and her husband then dismembered her body right there. And that's when the buttons fell off. And then they stuffed her into the bags, and then they just went around the property and grabbed pieces of concrete. So they grabbed other bits of evidence from the property, <laughs> sealed it in the bags, the plastic bags with duct tape. And drove over to Lake Shelbyville Boy, and threw her in. So all three of them are found guilty, and they get 60 years each. And so now we get the closeout here. Here's uh, Karen's dad. And then we hear from Jeffrey Thomas, the policeman. We were delighted that it was finally over. And the fact that all three of them were found guilty was uh, even uh, a major blessing because we felt all three of them were, were involved. 
I think the Lord had some intervention in this and put us down the right path. So that's just my little evangelizing to you uh, for what it's worth. So Jeffrey name-checked the good Lord at several points during this episode. He's clearly a very devout Christian, and God love him. And but he's they doing got the, the Lord's done. work. Yep, yes. the, the Lord's work. But um, as you were doing your supplemental information, Oof. your supplemental research, I heard you gasp. Okay. And I was like, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't oh, tell no, me. This is, and this you is, were outraged. Uh, this is... This is of course, of all things, you know, we talk about murder and all this stuff, all the thing. Yeah. Well, once the Slovers figured out that the dog hairs were being used, uh-huh. they put the dog down. Oh, jeez. Is that what's getting you so mad? Yes! They killed the dog! <laughs> now, I don't know if you know this good company in the car, people, but doggies are the closest thing to God you're going to get on this planet. Yeah. And for them to have killed that dog, and there's video in the do- videos of the dog. You see the dog because sure it's a big, a big black uh, lab mongrelly kind of yep. looking dog with a wonky eye. A wonky. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're junkyard dogs. They're yeah. supposed to bark. That's yeah. what they're supposed to do. So it. Yeah, they had they put the dog down to try to eliminate the evidence. That's so dumb. Yeah. So okay, dumb. so in my research, this modeling thing, this is so uh-huh. horrible. This is why I was saying this. This modeling agency, this Paris modeling Paris thing, International. It was I've never heard of it. Well, it's because it's no longer in existence. Oh. Um it is a pay-to-model agency. Oh, it's sort of like the model equivalent of self-publishing a novel? Basically. Oh, God. So she probably had some pictures or something, or she was doing, like, mall... Yeah, you mall know, work. Mall yep. work or something like that. She was probably She's the face doing, of the Carbondale Mall. I did that, you know, like, you know, <laughs> when I jokingly say I was a model, I will gladly show you my print work from Parkersburg, West Virginia. I really want to see it. You... I haven't showed it yet. No, you haven't. You should put it on the good company web- no, Facebook. No, 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 no. <laughs> so anyway. Get it so, out there. So, so, you know, doing small things in a small time. So she paid a fee of $96 and the, the, the modeling company put her profile on the oh. website. Okay. So the idea of her moving away is not, this was probably made up. Or maybe she would like, if things work out, I think I might move to Atlanta. And what what did I say? The second, first thing I said, she's pretty. She's not model pretty. Um, I she was twenty three years old. No, okay, sorry. All right. No, no. She was gorgeous. I will defer to you. She was. She was a. uh, What is the name of this town again? Decatur. What was it? Was it Decatur? Decatur. Yeah, something like that. Illinois. Yeah. Uh, She was an an (laughs) eleven. A Decatur eleven. But she, you know, she's 23. She's trying to start her modeling career yeah, at 23. Yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm, to... I've said enough about that. So, um, the other thing is, is that Karen is killed. Yeah. There, because of, uh, she had full custody. I'm not exactly sure what the circumstances were. They would not give full custody to the father, to David right. Jr. So, Mary, the sister, adopted him. Mm-hmm. Now, this what, was before they were convicted. This is before they were arrested. Right. Yes. So, because because a, a significant period of time happened between her death and, and the arrest yeah. of the in laws. They had moved, right? They moved after this. And they'd moved. They moved so, they'd state. even they did everything they could to distance themselves from the situation. Doesn't work. So, the other thing that was going on was Karen's parents were suing for custody? Parent, uh, guard, uh, not custody, Guardianship? but rights. 
like yeah. because they were grandparents and they weren't getting to see oh, their right, right, right. custodial so there, visits. So there or was whatever. a there was a huge there was a yeah, huge lawsuit you know, woman, going back man. and forth between the the Karen's parents oh, and and Mary. Awful. Those slovers, man. And the 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 scuttlebutt about it was that it was a power play. It wasn't actually about the child. It was about oh, it was a power matter play. of principle. Exactly. Oh, that's a shame. so. Um, the the three of them were arrested, and they're saying that Mary, who had adopted the child, was watching the baby mm-hmm. when all this was going on. So she was complicit. Oh, that she was aware of. She Karen was aware of killed. what was going on, and that goes back to David, or not David? Yes, David, the boyfriend. No, no, no. What's the husband's name? Michael. 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 Michael was not there during any of it. Yeah, yeah, but he but knew all he about had, it. That was those 12 he, phone calls. Exactly. Yeah. He knew what was going on. Yeah. They the theory is is that because Jeanette hated him, hated her so much Despite. that she, she yes, she was the one that basically orchestrated everything. The whole thing. And yeah. the fantasy that uh, Karen was going to be moving away and taking her grandchild with them. Was the motive? Was the motive behind it exactly? Yeah. Well, so their all their lives are ruined. Yeah, everybody's lives are ruined. The mm-hmm. poor boy lost both of his parents. Yeah, the you know he. Uh, uh, my understanding is that there's no contact between Mary and the thing and 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 the child. Now he is in his twenties now and. Uh, uh, appears to be living a, a decent life and working for some sort of a home. I think he does flooring or some okay. sort of contracting right. type So he work. turned out okay. And the pictures that I saw, which of course I couldn't determine if, if it was actually Culver or not. Good Culver. looking. Colton. 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 What was I saying? Colton. I don't know. I was Colbert. I was calling yeah, him Yeah, we're calling him everything. We got to work Cuber. on names. We're both bad with names. He is leading a good life and he looks like he's a happy, good looking, well adjusted. Terrible, terrible thing. Yeah, things. And. For the record, I think your mom could have been a model. She was beautiful. I'm not saying she wasn't stunningly attractive. She was not a model, model quality. We, we've beaten that to death. Okay. And that's that's me being me. You've heard me say that. Oh, I'm a model. Yeah, yeah. online maybe. You're not a real model. So they are up for they're all still oh, in jail. So he, Michael Senior has died. He died in 2021. Okay. Uh, Michael Jr. and the mother are still in jail. Michael Jr.'s head is now shaved, and he has a weird soul patch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He looks like an absolute douche. It looks like a. It looks like someone took a black magic marker and went from no, his lower lip down his and chin. And she just looks like the, the, well, the she absolute was a, troll. That she, she was is. a. She was a chubby, a chubby woman, you and she's that, still that a chubby picture woman. At their wedding, and she's just glaring. Oh, at the she's horrible. And uh, I, it was funny. I was reading one of the articles about her, and they said she was blonde now. She's not blonde. Uh, she's, she's gray. Yeah. But anyway, so um, it's really horrible. Yeah, it was and, terrible. Uh, this, and, Thank God for, you know, genetics yeah. and uh, yeah, gen- not good people oh, of Illinois sticking with it. Unbelievable. Poor and thing. I, you know, and people people are just, they just do dumb stuff. People they just do don't do think dumb things stuff. things through. They think they're smarter and you're going to get caught. Let's do something fun for the next episode. Okay. <laughs> but until next time. Until next time. Or have Warbeck. Thank you for listening.